What's going on, Drinking Buddies? Brand new podcast coming right at you, but real quick, we got to have a word from our sponsors, those fine folks that bring me and this podcast to your ear holes and hopefully your eye holes every week. First and foremost, we are brought to you by the video versions of this podcast. Speaking of your eye holes, you can check out The Madness in full HD ad-free on Vimeo at www.anwd.net slash videos. Once again, that is www.anwd.net slash videos. There's 80-something episodes up right now for $6 a month. You can stream them all unlimited. Or if there's an episode you really want to see, like one of the ones with some nudity in it, 99 cents will buy you that, and it's yours for life. And this holiday season, you know, it makes a good stocking stuffer for someone, I guess. Who knows? Buy a video. Do it. Do it. We are also brought to you this week by my Twitch stream. That's right. I am Twitch streaming every Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Tonight, if you're listening to this on day of release, we will be playing Among Us at 8 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash Slayer. Once again, that is twitch.tv slash Slayer. Come hang out. Join us in the chat. We're having a lot of fucking fun, especially because I just started Cyberpunk 2077 yesterday. And last, but certainly, definitely not least, we are brought to you by our friends at Vinyl Me Please. Vinyl Me Please is the record of the month club. The best damn record of the month club. In fact, every month, Vinyl Me Please features one album that is essential to the modern vinyl collection. It comes packaged with things like bonus tracks, inserts, color variants, album-inspired art prints, and custom cocktail pairing recipes. So much for your fucking money. If you're into art, music, and drinking, Vinyl Me Please is for you. Sign up today at www.joinvmp.com slash ANWD. Once again, that is www.joinvmp.com slash ANWD. Oh, fun fact. It's not like Record of Month Clubs of old. It's month to month. No strings attached and cancel anytime. So sign up today, people. My guest this week, returning for a third time, I guess, is comedian Trevor Kevlo. Trevor and I catch up. You know, he moves out of state. So just, it was kind of a bro down catching up, seeing how comedy is where he's at now. Talking about the state of LA, talking about the state of the world. It's always good to catch up with Trevor. And if you're in the Austin, Texas area, the Dojo of Comedy Austin is having its very first show one week from tonight. Links to the event are in the show notes. So buy yourself a ticket. Go support the comedy. Go support the Dojo of Comedy in Austin, Texas. Support Trevor. But in the meantime, sit back, relax, pop a cold one, and enjoy Drinking Buddies. motherfucker welcome back what's up man thank you fucking bailing the state you you, piece of shit (laughs) yep i'm one of many (laughs) 
Yeah. I got here before Elon Musk, though, so I feel kind of cool. But did you? Did you really get there before Elon Musk, or did you get there before he bought half the state? I think, he, yeah, no shit. I, I think I got here before he announced it officially. So, you know, that was my that was my whole goal. Get here before Elon, I'm going to be good, you know. After Rogan, before Elon. <laughs> got it. Yes, I'm right in the middle, you know, especially, you know, financially, I'm right in the middle. <laughs> like, yeah. who did you rob yeah. to be in between Elon and Rogan in money? Jesus, I don't know. Out here? Oh, I mean, Chappelle's here, but I don't, he's not here here. He's just, he's going to be here for a while. So that's, that's kind of cool. We probably should tell the audience where you are now. So Trevor Kevlow, turn guest, has bailed sunny California to go to Austin, Texas, where he better be having protected sex because you still can't get abortions easily down there. This is true. Uh, <laughs> yes, I, uh, I, I had, uh, I'd taken a lot of time to figure out where I wanted to move because I was not happy in California. <clears throat> My home club, the Dojo of Comedy at Sycamore Tavern, sh- uh, closed back in March due to COVID. Uh, the owners decided to sell the property, put it up for sale. So my home was gone. Um, I basically had subleased since I moved to LA six years ago. Uh, so I didn't really have like a lease or a, a home other than Sycamore in the Dojo. So uh, I spent a lot of time getting out on my own. I was at the Grand Canyon. I did like a Northern Arizona, just kind of like a come to Jesus moment um, and decided, I was like, I got to get out of California. I got to go somewhere where I can kind of restart and refresh. So I had three cities that I wanted to, to go to. One of them you hate, Phoenix, Scottsdale. I know you hate Phoenix and Scottsdale. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. yeah. All the bad parts yeah. of Vegas, none of the good. Yep, exactly. And uh, I wanted to go there initially because I've I'm familiar with the town and the area, and I like Arizona. But I'm glad I didn't go there. Um, now my number two, a close two, was was Austin, and number three was Nashville. So. Um, I decided on Austin because I just like I know with Rogan being here and 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 other people and it's got a good already like a good, from what I've experienced, which has only been a month or two worth of you know getting to know some of the comedians and shows here. It's got a good comedy scene, so it's just it's going to blow up. It's it's going to thrive. So, um, and it's cool. It's a warmer state and warmer city, you know. Oh no, I love I love Austin. I've had some good times down there, but I don't want to live in Texas. I don't want to live in Texas. Yeah, you love LA. I mean, what your 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 market is is the LA culture. I get that. So, you know, it was just my thing was I I, I just would never be able to open up my own anything in California because it's just too expensive. You know, not just like buying a house or a condo, but even a business itself, and that's. Ultimately, like what I'd like to do one day is have my own business and my own actual like yard or something, you know, yards. That's so weird. That's overrated. I know. <laughs> it's just, you don't see yards in L.A. And, and where we're from, the Hollywood area. You know, it's, it's more just like uh, just just a house and then another house and then just an apartment. And because well, if you had a fucking house. yard, you'd have a fucking homeless encampment in front of it. Like that is very wood. fucking true. It would look like fucking Woodstock on your lawn. All the fucking time. Man. Is it, has it gotten worse oh, yeah. in the past three months? Because I, I left in September. Dude, it's gotten so bad 
that the homeless encampment by my place, one of them has a do not like it has a no trespassing sign on it. The homeless are telling other homeless you're not welcome. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! It's like, <laughs> like we're that's having so gated communities of fucking homeless people in Hollywood now. They're literally taking over the streets, and I said that in the summer. I mean, it's I know it's just, and I, I you know I I, I watch these um these YouTube videos of these uh, economic professors at schools in California. And one of the things that I, I he I forgot which guy it was he's talking about is, is uh, when they released all these prisoners for, from, uh, from jail, these non nonviolent, you know, criminals or whatever they're called, nonviolent felons, whatever um, they released them under the, into the public. And they, they didn't have anywhere to go because you know the COVID was you know situation in prison, so they had nowhere to go. They didn't have a house to go to. They don't have any jobs because the you know the job market is so is is, is so small now, and they didn't have places to go. So there's you had ten thousand people, however many you know prisoners they've released over you know since COVID started. So you've got all those extra people on the street, and unfortunately, a lot of the people that were in jail were in jail for nonviolent crimes, stuff that they're probably not. You know, they don't want to do, they may be forced to do it. I don't know. I don't, not in their shoes. But so a lot of these people are going back to a life that they're, they're, they're used to, which is on the street or, you know, I don't know if they're carj. I don't know what the violence is like in LA anymore. If there is any, you know, small violence, like, you know, carjackings and stuff like that. I mean, so, if you look at the citizen app, it's still pretty fucking wild sometimes. I don't know. I yeah. barely leave my apartment. <laughs> I deleted it months ago. I couldn't take it, man. It was, it was just, it was too much. When I was still in LA, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. It was, it was getting weird. I mean, it's always been weird. Too this, place, weird. this town has always been fucking weird. And I'm just hoping, I'm, oh, yeah. my hope is that I can ride this fucking wave and that all you assholes that are fucking bailing town are going to bring property values down and things will be reasonable to live here. Hopefully, you know, I'm trying to help you out. <laughs> I appreciate it, Trevor. I mean, yeah. all we need is some urban blight, you know, and get some, maybe a couple gang wars and LA will be affordable. Yeah, just plummet. Yeah, exactly. And then it'll all blow up here. Yeah. I mean, there's people, there's a lot. I've, I haven't talked to a ton of people, but there's been tech companies coming here for a lot longer than before COVID started. So the, the gentrification of what's happening in Austin from the little I know has started before that. It's just COVID kind of ramped it up. So, oh, 100%. You know, I hear my, um, yeah, I hear <clears throat> our now mutual friend Robert Dean has been trying to get me to move to Austin for a couple of years now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. has been telling me about like how much they hate Californians because they fuck up the property values and all that shit. Yeah. And it's also, I think, some. I'm a, from what I've what I've experienced. So it's, I'm speaking strictly from my personal experience, and only a few months. Is also there's a level there's like a California attitude that I think a lot of people in Texas are worried about because Texas has its own style to be to be respectful. California has its own style. New York has its own style. Us Chicagoans or Chicago Landians, as I like to say, everyone's kind of got their own style and. Texas and California feel like have butted heads. So when I tell people, when they ask me where I'm from or whatever, I make sure to let them know, born and raised in Chicagoland, did six years in LA. That's where I'm from. That's where I was raised. That's where I, I honed all my skills. But I was, I did LA for, you know, did LA for six years in the comedy scene. So I like to, 
make it very clear to Texans. And I was at this place last night, a tamale joint called Rosie's, about 40 minutes away from my house. And I was like, the guy knew I, it was my first time. He could just, he read me, you know, I looked like a city boy. And he's like, first time here? I go, yeah. He's like, where are you from? I'm like, okay, let me explain. <laughs> and he just stopped and was like, what? I go, I'm from Chicagoland, but I did my six-year stint in LA. And he goes, that's a good way to put it. And I go, yes. I go, I'm born and raised in Chicagoland. <laughs> so, yeah. Nobody's from fucking here. Like, how long do you got to be here before you're actually considered an Angelino is the question. I've heard five. I've heard 10 years. I think 10 years, I think, is really the, it feels like. If you're anywhere 10 years, um, you, you really kind of absorb that that world. So I would, that's, that's kind of what I would throw out there. That's why I'm, I'm a Chicagoan through and through, Chicagolandian through and through. So, well, I don't know, man. Like, I got 30 in Chicago, like the greater Chicago area, and then, you know, technically three years in Vegas and six in LA so far. So, mm. you're a Chicagoan, you're yeah, a Chicago guy. The way the way you drink, the way you act, it's that we 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 stick out in any city you go to. Except Chicago, then and we're that's a good thing. then we're just drunk. <laughs> yeah. Then we're just drunk jagoffs like everyone else. <laughs> yep, exactly. So t- tell yeah, me, man, how fun. is the comedy scene down there? You digging it? Yeah, I like it. It's uh, it's I've been to a lot of open mics, a couple of shows. I've just been hitting the open mics, not just to perform, but also to kind of scout the talent for the. Sorry, the Dojo ATX, which I launched uh, yesterday officially. I got my booked my first show for next week. So I've been out and about as much as I can be without burning myself out. Um, I went to about five or ten mics uh, in shows, networking, talking to people. Everyone's been incredibly warm and welcoming for the most part. There are some people that I feel are have a little bit of a reservation uh, with me and with what's happening with this influx of comics. And I was like, you ain't seen nothing yet. I go, I'm like, how many LA comics are on your open mic stage? One or two, including myself. I go, wait till after, you know, the new year, it's, it's going to be a heck of a lot more. Well, Fuck especially, more. especially since they closed down restaurants till December 20th, which includes the fucking store. Yep. So if the, yep. and if they push that past into the new year, if the store stays closed, the improv, like, if the big stages stay closed down here and they're open down there, people are going to go. Yeah. See, the cool thing with L.A. and California or any really warm city or state, but especially L.A. because it's the mecca of, of comedy um, and New York. I'm not taking away from New York, but L.A. is a warm city. They can do the outdoor shit. They can do outdoor shows in a park, in a parking lot, in a field, whatever the fuck they need to do. They can do that. They can get away with it. New York, it's not going to happen. You know, it's too fucking cold. Oh, I know. It's ridiculous. Like, speaking of, like, the outdoor eating and all that shit, like, I'm seeing pictures from friends back in Chicago where, like, oh, our outdoor eating is open. It's basically a tent. Like, how's that outdoor eating? Yeah. It's, I I saw, I've seen pictures where people are like, how is this outdoor eating okay and being in a restaurant is not okay? You know, it's like, it just, it's it's just weird what's happening right now. Well, and and that's the problem. California, I think. Yeah, it, it to me it doesn't make sense. You're 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 taking an enclosure and saying you can't go there, and then you're building another enclosure that's outside of the enclosure and saying you can eat there. And it's like, what? Oh yeah, like it, what? And on a logical level, it makes no sense. On a 
another level, it's like, well, these people are getting no aid, and it's either yeah. take a risk or starve. That's where they're at. Yes. Dude. And that is across the board. That This has no longer become a political issue because I see Republicans, Democrats, liberals, and conservatives on Twitter joining, which is a fucking first to me because all they do is fucking argue and hate each other. They're joining forces and they're like, this is bullshit. It's become an like a human rights issue to me. You're, you're, you're shutting businesses down and not and people too, not just businesses, but you know, small business owner, medium, and all their staff. And you're not doing anything to compensate. You know, we were talking about our un- our state unemployment, which is fucking pebbles. I couldn't live on that. That's that's. Uh, there's no way my entire state unemployment would not be able to pay one month of rent. So, dude, what are these what, people doing? The state unemployment, the average unemployment in California, couldn't afford you a tent on Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking, it's awful. And, and it's like, oh, we're going to, you know, California and whatever other states, or we're going to shut down, no this, no that. Okay, cool. Then pay me. Give me a UBI and give me free healthcare, anything, even, even this, I would consider a, UB, uh, a healthcare that's just for COVID related. I could, I could even manage that, but fuck that. It should be free fucking healthcare through this. And there should be UBI and a stimulus check, all three of it. That's it. Yeah. That's how it should be. Our country doesn't give a shit. Our, our country cares about us. Our politicians don't. Right, which and is crazy. We, it's, yeah, it's the, the curtain is starting to be pulled, and people are starting to see that it's not just, as I look like I'm jerking off two guys at once. Uh, I mean, that's a good usual look for you, a, so that's fine. <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to go off on my uh, political thing, because it's not. It's a social thing, but People are starting to see that both sides are kind of cunts. One side could be a hell of a lot more cunts than the other, but it's 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 it makes me uncomfortable because it's like it makes me uncomfortable, but but comfortable at the same time because I've always believed that it's a two-headed snake, and it's just whichever one is biting more or less at, at that in that tenure of their you know their term or whatnot. Oh yeah, I mean- and it's you know. And I, I sincerely fucking feel for people. Like, I, I mean, not just people that go viral, but people I know that are like, I'm fucking shut down again. I can't, I can't do anything. How am I going to fucking eat? You know? Well, and it, it's fucked. And what's super fucked about it is like, they, it's pitted working class people against working class people in a lot of cases. Cause like, for whatever reason, filming is essential right now. Filming is considered essential. Do you know why? Yeah. But, <laughs> but the thing about it is like... Yeah, that's it. That's well, it. Well, yeah, this is the same reason that retail is allowed to stay open this time around at 20% capacity. Yep. But what's fucked is I've seen a bunch of videos from restaurant workers being pissed off that their film crew is working. It's like, yeah, the actors in a mainstream production, those fucking people could get away with not working. The crews? Yep. The people that are on the ground on that fucking film probably are in just a ba- as bad a situation as you are. So yeah. they're taking a risk to fucking make money. So it's a, it's, it's a fucked situation. It's like on a logical level, on a non-greed level, retail and fucking filming should not be open right now. Yeah, it's it's also it's 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 the union. You know, these I'm sure that high level union. The people that we don't know about, the the guy behind the guy behind the guy behind the guy, you know, reference to swingers, 
those are the ones that are probably calling Gavin Newsom or Mayor Garcetti and saying, no, we're going to we're going to start running. You know, we're going to start producing and, and shooting again. And th- that's because L.A. is, you know, run by the entertainment industry. Well, yeah. So, and that's the thing. Or do you have who knows if the major studios are calling the mayor's office to be like, we're just going to move productions to places we can film. That's exactly what's happening. You know, hey, they're, they're hey, film LA. on those taxes. Yeah. Yep. Well, now, um, is it, I think th- only 30% of movies, films, whatever, are filmed in LA. So many have moved to Canada and other, other parts of the country. Oh, yeah. I mean, Austin has a fair amount of shit going on down there. Um, yeah. Atlanta's a huge hub. Atlanta's, Atlanta's a huge hub. Like, New, New Orleans yeah. was big until Louisiana decided to fuck themselves. Yep. Yeah. Um, and Canada, of course, Canada has all the tax cuts. So, you know, the I'm sure it was a lot of the uh, what do you call it? The donors, the high level donors of the studio heads and studio executives and production studios. I'm sure a lot of those donors that donate to the big, you know, Gavin Newsom, Eric Garcetti, whoever else is out there are saying, we're not going to donate to your campaign anymore if you don't unless you reopen or let us film and shoot. So they're like, OK. You know, we want your million dollar paycheck next time we campaign to well, run and, for mayor or governor. And just also the tax base, you know, filming getting permits is fucking yeah. expensive. The fact that, you know, yep. most films form their own LLC for the individual production. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's um, tax revenue that just goes out the fucking window. It, it's definitely economics of it. But yeah. fuck. We gotta stop treating this like oh hey. It's only a public health crisis until like there's real money involved, and that's exactly what's happened. You know, it's it's become people are saying it's become political. I go, mm, it's become corporate. There's a big difference. Yeah, and and cor- cor- corporations own a lot of politicians, so it's it's kind of like I don't consider America a democracy. I don't consider it a capitalistic country. I consider it a corporation. It's a fucking corporation. It's it's a money making machine. That's what it is right now. And entertainment is what, you know, what drives people to Hollywood and Los Angeles from all over the world. And that's what's been keeping it going. And that's what reopened. And to say that filming a fucking TV show is essential, but, you know, a a restaurant providing food to people outdoors safely is not. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, it's 100% monetarily motivated. I mean, if, Things really, if they really give a fuck, when we had the first stay-at-home order, it would have been a real stay-at-home order and been like, here's your care package of supplies you need. Here's your yep. fucking money. Stay the fuck home. Yeah, why Why did the National Guard show up on Hollywood Boulevard to fucking drive around for a few days? Were they showing off their new trucks, their new fucking toys, their, their new outfits? They drove around. They didn't do anything. Everyone's just like, okay, well, I'm going to go back inside because this is fucking creepy. And now if my dad was alive, he would have been like, oh, wow, this reminds me of Nazi Germany. And they're fucking driving around with their trucks. and But they didn't do anything. It's not like they were like driving down the street with megaphones telling people to stay home, stay inside. They're just driving around, like hanging out. And then they left. And I was like, what the fuck? That was so weird. It was just kind of creepy. Well, the like, whole thing okay. so fucking weird. Like, we're... LA is on a stay at home order right now. Who knows? Is LAPD actually enforcing that shit? Like I had to run, nope, I, don't I, think- I had to run a metropolitan uh, courthouse today. I was definitely stuck in still on, stuck in traffic on the one hundred and one coming home. Yeah, 
Um, Orange County sheriffs are not uh, enforcing it and Riverside County sheriffs are not enforcing it. They put out um, pieces of literature on social media and a video and they're not enforcing stay at home or the, the stay at home orders or um, enforcing any any sort of uh, ticketing or violations or whatever for bit small businesses that are trying to stay open uh, or reopening to, to, cause they're, I mean, you got to think these police officers are making whatever 40, $60,000 a year. Their neighbors are small business owners and small business employees, not just owners. No. You got to think of all the other people involved. So they, they live in a house or an apartment and their fucking neighbor is, is, you know, is not working because there may be a chef at a restaurant or, you know, a, you know, a manager at a Taco Bell or something. And, and it's like, they need to make their money too. actually Taco Bell's open because it's Taco Bell. Corporations are open, big corporations. Well, restaurants are open for to go orders. It just, you know, in an industry that it's how we're, it's almost all service industry. Like you're not going to make any fucking money on takeout. Like it's yeah. just not going to happen. Like, I don't even know what like the appropriate amount to tip on takeout is at this point. I don't either. I, I tip everywhere I go. It's, it's a minimum 20% and up. I mean, I go to this local place for coffee. I get one or two coffees. I tip five bucks and I mean, they're doing fine. It's, but it's also a, it's a private business. So I don't mind tipping more. Yeah. Um, I try to, I try to spread the wealth as much as I can. I don't have a lot of money. I'm not making any money right now. So I'm doing my best to, to be, Frugal and healthy, you know the the economy and the, and well, the local. Trevor, you got to work so. on that that two dick technique you're working on, man. You'll make some money. Yes. Don't worry. There you go. <laughs> you're you're getting there. You're getting there. Yeah. Just need work. I mean, and that's the thing. That's all of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked to a lot of people back in LA about it, and it's. They're, I'm like, what are you guys going to do? And they're just nobody knows. They're, they're kind of feel like a lot of people are just waiting. You know, and I, and I don't like that. I don't like to wait for somebody else to make the, a decision for my life. I'm like, after I got sober and, you know, lived off of that stabbing, I'm like, I'm not going to let someone else run my life ever again and make decisions for me. I'm going to make every decision I can within my power to do what I want to do and no longer let somebody else stab me and tell me that they're going to make me do what they want to do. Stab me. That so, looked uh, more like a BJ a, there, Trevor. Just what's what's that? That looks much more like a BJ than a stabbing. Just <laughs> well, we I know think Tripoli. He had he had a he had a uh, roast joke. He said Trevor Trevor's the only guy that goes to San Diego to get stabbed in the neck so a tranny can fuck him. <laughs> How do you know that, Sam? <laughs> How do you know this? Well, obviously, Sam uh, was holding the camera. It's true. This is true. Camera one and dick with the other. <laughs> God, I miss him. Where is Sammy these days? He's in LA. He, uh, he was just in St. Louis uh, for a show, and he's going to be in Jersey next weekend for a show at the Dojo East. We have a club out in New Jersey about an hour, hour and a half west of New York City. So he's going to be doing a weekend there at the Dojo East. Um, yeah, he's he's good. Awesome. Yeah, he's, I haven't uh, talked to Sammy in a minute. Yeah, he's he did a podcast yesterday with Brian Kalen. Um 
they have this podcast where they just kind of battle each other. Sam does his conspiracy and Brian d- does like anti-conspiracy kind of shit. It's pretty funny. They're, they have a good mix. So yeah, they're always yeah, fun on rolling like, together. Yeah, absolutely. So, but no, man, yeah. I, I totally, uh, I totally feel on, yeah, on not letting wine to be under the fucking control of just sitting and waiting. That's why I like, I'm still producing content as much as I fucking can. Like, yeah, I'm still pumping out a podcast a week. I'm still doing like, I'm trying to hustle as much as I can. Some of it though, I am sitting around and waiting because it's the responsible thing to do. Like if it's a choice between I'm going to starve and I got to go do, take some risky job. I'm going to go take mm-hmm. a risky job, but I'm going to hold out as long as I can to not take a, you know, a job where I can potentially get sick and fuck myself even yeah. worse. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, I dude, I get it. I mean, it's, you know, I, I don't want it to get to the point for anybody where it's going to be, you know, sink or swim. And that's kind of where it's going. Like there's, oh, that's almost uh, everyone I, I think, know. Almost everyone I know is yeah. in sink or swim at the moment. There's, there's some outrageous number. I want to say, I, I don't quote you, but I want to say like 19 million people might be out of their home by December 31st or could be because that's when they lift the, the moratorium. Rent and mortgage moratorium. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, and, and I'm like, that's, that means the banks take that fucking house over or, or condo or whatever. And I'm like, this seems like they don't have a lot of time. It's, it's the 9th of December. They're saying 31st of December, this is going well, to happen. I'm like, the PUA, the PUA, yeah, the PUA ends at the, on December 26th. So if you were self-employed yeah. getting unemployment or were on the 13 week extension for regular unemployment, that's part of the CARES Act that yeah. expires December 26th. Fuck. I'm on that. Yep. No matter how many weeks you got yeah. left, it is gone December 26th. They, um, what do you call it? They, I just saw today that there's, that there's a, a another stimulus package or bill that they're trying to do. And they're saying, uh, it's like a 900, $908 billion package that would, the federal government would come in and give people take kind of take over where the state left off with the X amount of, uh, a week or a month. I think it was a week, 300 a week or something, but there would be no stimulus check sent out. Correct. Like, and I was like, I'm like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. They're, like they're, if, they're if, only if helping forcing people. not. Oh God. Sorry. What's that? Good. Yeah. They're they're It's like, People need to work. People, if there's nothing, there's no jobs, they can't go to it. Like uh, Yelp uh, Yelp stated recently in Business Insider that 60% of businesses that shut down will not reopen. I'm like, that's enormous. Like, the, what are they, they're forcing everybody to what, get big jobs with big corporations? Is that, is that, the, is that the play here? I don't know. Yeah, but the problem is there's only so many jobs there. Like, and not everyone yeah. who lost their job at a small business is qualified to go. It's not like you, yo, Oh, I'm out of work. I'm just going to instantly get a job. Like, no, I have to work in my field what I'm competent in doing or, Oh, Oh, I got to take an entry level job, compete against other people for entry level jobs and not make enough money to afford the lifestyle that I already have. And it's not like, yeah. Oh, Hey, because throughout this, of course I've, you know, have well-meaning friends and family who are like, Oh, you can come stay with me. You should just leave LA. You should, but I'm like, I have a fucking lease here. I have a fucking life here. Like, yeah, hey, um, yeah. I should. No, fuck that. I, 
I had uh, some of my, my brother and my cousin both were like, if you need to stay with me as long as you can back in the Midwest. And I'm like, first of all, I don't want to go to the Midwest during wintertime. Fuck no. I was like, I appreciate it, but I'm like, I don't want to fucking deal with that. Secondly, I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm not just going to sit around and just wait it out. It's been nine months. I'm like, I can't just wait it out any longer. I've got to do something to better myself. You know, that's that was one of the big reasons why I moved to a state that was opening correctly. And it's like, I can at least can find work here if I need to. And I did. I was working at a restaurant for a few weeks, but it was nights. That was the problem. I'm like, I can't work at a restaurant five nights a week when I'm trying to run, you know, you know, start a comedy scene here. That's obviously at night. So I had to you know, leave that job, but it wasn't from leaving that job. I wouldn't have what I have now. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things I've always admired about you is you're a hustler. Like for the audience who doesn't know before the dojo comedy was a thing, Trevor started off at what was, you know, happy endings or whatever at the time. Yeah. Yeah. It was happy endings as a bus boy. Yep. 30, 37 year old bus boy. Yep. Yeah. And by the time COVID hit, he was a manager and fucking running a pretty successful fucking comedy room. Yeah. It was, it was, I mean, I, my 2020 pre COVID pre Rona was solid. I had a lot of shit, um, a lot of shit on the calendar. I was, I was building, it was just growing. And I had some big shows that I had, you know, in the books with some, you know, some great, you know, local and big names. And I was so excited for that for this year. And then boom, March was it March 14th, I think is when we shut down. And I'm like, I just had a feeling, dude. I had a feeling. I'm like this. I don't think this is gonna, you know, this is gonna go anywhere. And I think we're. This is it. So, you know, it was good. It was. I was. Things were up. We were out of the out of the red. We were in the black as far as you know finances go. I helped rebuild that business. I was really proud of that. The little, the little I was able, the little support I had from the business end of it, it was all the support I got was through comedians and producers. You know, and Sam and all the producers I worked with, like Jimmy Shin Show, people like that, and the comedians that talked about it on their podcast, Burt Kreischer, Whitney Cummings, not the name drop, but it's true. They helped. You know, Joey Diaz talked about it, um, I think, after the fact. But these these bigger names who have a, 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 a wider audience of, you know, podcasts and whatnot spoke about it. And that helps. You know, that's kind of how the comedy store got rebuilt if you watch the the documentary, all these comedians like Rogan and all the big names started talking about the comedy store and all their podcasts. I, part, of me, part of me kind of hates that they did. Cause you know, I, when I first moved to LA was going to the store and I loved that I could just walk in there any night of the week and just like, I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to walk into a show. And then like pre COVID right at the end, there were 20, 2019, early 2020. It's like, fuck, I know people here and I still yeah. can't get into some shows. Yeah, it was, it was, fucking nuts man i remember when i moved to la i would go to the comedy store three to five days a week by myself and i would sit in the front row and if back then uh i think it was brett biddleton biddleton i can't pronounce his name but brenton biddleton biddleton whatever he was i think he's a social media guy um sam was telling me about this but he would post on like twitter and instagram show this at the door and get in for free so I was going to the late shows in the OR um, and I'd show the thing at the door and they let me in for free. And I'd sit by myself up front, get my two drink minimum, and I'd just take notes on all the comics. And then I would kind of like talk to them a little bit afterward. And and they're all really cool. And it was just 
but I would stay the whole show and I would watch because the best of the best go to the comedy store and get past. So it was like, okay, this is where I'm going to go kind of get my feet wet as far as um, like taking in stuff. And I did that for like six solid months. Yeah. Uh, it worked out. I mean, yeah. And you know, two yeah. or three years later, you became an okay comic. Yeah. Okay. Decent. <laughs> I've been I've been at it almost six years now, and, and for <clears throat> with the LA I call it the LA six years because in Chicago I dabbled, but I was also hosting live events. I was doing a shitload of writing, a shitload of writing for a couple different websites, including my own, and I was just kind of like that, like hosting. You know, it's like imp- not improv, but like ad libbing and just you know an MC and just being around people and being able to you know shoot off jokes and all that and. That was that kind of got me comfortable in my own skin, and then L.A. It was just like that's great. You're comfortable in your own skin. What do you got? You yeah. know, can you write? Can you tell a joke? And yeah. do you have any stage no. presence? Because that guy, that yeah. guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, all do. Yeah, I mean, I've I've watched comics, you know, from all over, like amazing writers. But I watch them on stage, and I'm like, you're not funny. You got a good joke, but you're just not funny. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, you're and then I see sucks. people that are like. Yeah, I see people kind of like a little rough or riffing, but their stage presence is amazing. And I'm like, that's, I mean, to me personally, that's, I love that, you know, joke writing is its own, like such its own skill that you could go write for, you know, for TV shows and whatnot and do great. Um, But then you find that people that are just kind of everything, you're like, oh, look at this motherfucker. <laughs> so I know. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see what the comedy scene's like post-covid whenever the fuck that happens yeah i you know i don't think uh i don't think la is gonna like fail by any means it's gonna bounce back it's just gonna be different i think people are gonna leave and they're gonna get comfortable where they've left to like here in austin or nashville's a a lot of a place a lot of people are going to florida a lot of comics are going to florida because it's fucking open open that's like fucking its own world in florida well florida's always been its own fucking world yeah it's true i think yeah it's uh but now it's like you know it's like it's always been this now it's like everyone's kind of got their eye on it and people are you know but it's people that want to continue and stay in entertainment they're going to go where they can and if california new york and and illinois are not going to allow it then they're going to leave and you know it's like rent might go down in la but if you get comfortable paying 800 bucks a month you know a rent out in wherever texas somewhere or florida like do you want to go back to you know 1900 dollars rent so it's just to each their own yeah yeah i mean i love la well i love pre-covid la yeah like there's i don't know what the world what it's going to be like post-covid but pre-covid there's nowhere else in the states i'd want to live yeah i mean i was dead set on la but then I got to the point where I was like, I just really want to have something like I had the dojo, but it's like it was never totally mine because it was it was the brick and mortar that I wanted. You know, and I know that Sam and I, when we built it, you know, we it was a, it was a brand. It was an idea that you can kind of take anywhere, obviously, unless we've done it. Um, but it was like it's different when you have like your name on, a, on something physical that's there it's like that's a whole different story rather than just kind of like floating in around places you know brands are cool brands the way to go because you have to pay the overhead 
But when you leave, you know, states that are expensive and too hard to start a business, it's like, you can actually do this. I could build something here, you know? Yeah, I mean, you could definitely afford your own home at some point. Yeah, Robert told me, like, at points where his mortgage was less than my rent. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) God damn it, you have a you know, multiple bedroom house and I have half an apartment. Not giving up on LA yet. I'm not, I'm not doing it. Not doing it. No, I get it, man. There's, I know what mostly, like most of the people I know don't want to leave and haven't yet. You know, some people have like kind of like retreated back to their hometown, at least for now. But, you know, it's like LA is where things happen. It's the entertainment capital. It's, you know, it's, it's where you know, the agents and managers are, if you want to get in, like on that level, you know, um, you know, you've, you know, you work in adult film as well. So you, that's where they are. It's not like they're in, you know, fucking Dallas or something or nope. Memphis. My, my choices would be go back to Vegas or move to South Florida. Okay. Like Miami. Yeah. There's, there's production. In my, well, there's production in both Orlando and Miami. Okay. Mostly Miami. And then a lot of productions moved to Vegas over the years. I was I I did it wrong. Like I went to Vegas first because we were all expecting adult to be fully moved there, like by like 2013. And then it yeah. really started moving there like 2017, 2018. But by that point, I was already in LA for a couple of years. Okay. But at this point, yeah, I, I don't just want to work an adult. I was, I was on a porn in- set this week, so. Eh. <laughs> Filming's well, legal, baby. That's right. Filming's legal, you know. Yep. Got to have porn. Yep, yep. That's essential. It's essential. It's essential. <laughs> it's essential. Essential oils. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. No, I, I yeah. actually was on three days of working crew on a porn set this week. So good, man. Can make that money. Yeah, make, making some money. And at least the nice thing about porn is their skeleton crews. Like on Friday, we had me, the director a sound guy and two cameramen and uh, one couple for talent. We only shot one scene. Like that was everybody. Wow. That, that is a skeleton crew. And then Sunday, it was me, a photographer, the director, the sound guy was doubling as the lighting guy. And then two couples throughout the day. Like we did two boy girl scenes. Yeah. And then, and, yeah. and then Monday was, me, the director, the sounding light guy, we didn't even have a photographer, and then two couples. Jeez. And then the best part, the best part, the power went out at the set. So the second, second, well, the second couple, dialogue and sex that we had to shoot as fast as we humanly could by daylight and battery-powered fucking uh, quasar lights. Oh, my God. And was if, that power outage because they didn't pay their bills or because there's no, a power the, the, outage? The house, the house that we were shooting at was up in fucking like the deep valley, like where they had some of the fires like, in the last couple of years. And when it gets uh, super okay. windy, the power company's just like, we're not taking a risk. Yep. The brownouts. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just, uh, they cut the power. Like, it's like, oh, cool. That, that's awesome. Like three, it was like two thirty when the power went up. We would just set up for dialogue, and yeah. we're like, "Okay, so I guess we're doing this." Originally, the scene was supposed to be. I'm sure people want to hear what it's like being on a porn set, but 
uh, we were originally supposed to do dialogue in a living room scene and then move to a bedroom. And it was just like, uh, we don't have time to reset everything. Y'all are fucking on this couch. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We got limited Damn. daylight here. We're, we're not moving set pieces. We're not, you know, fucking. Yeah. Yeah, the setup was. Almost like gorilla shooting. Oh, gorilla I mean, shooting, kind of. Yeah. I mean, porn started as an outlaw industry. And it's still. Yeah. Very much treats itself like it, it still is. Not to say that we're not taking precautions. Like I was the PA. I took everyone's temperatures they got on set. Checked their COVID test results. They were doing a 24-hour COVID test, so. Okay. That's good. But it was also yeah. really fucking anxiety inducing to find out, like, oh hey Matt, I'm glad you were able to do this last minute. Yeah, like a whole a couple whole crews are down with COVID exposure, so. Yeah, we're short-staffed. I'm like, oh, cool. Yay. (laughs) 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 At least you got some work in. Fuck. Yep, 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 yep. At least I got to leave my house and realize that, like, I haven't worked an actual full day of work in, like, eight or nine months. So got home after a 10-hour day on set and just was exhausted. Yep. I went through that. I had a job out here for three weeks and I was working five, six days a night, like three to 11. And it was like, it was almost like a labor job. And I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, I'm 42 and overweight. I'm like, nah, nah, this ain't going to happen. I get home. I feel like dog shit. I feel like I play, I was practicing again in football when I was a kid. I'm like, I feel like shit. <laughs> like, nah. It's like, what the fuck, man? That's why I'm afraid, like, if COVID goes much longer, like, how bad a shape I'll be to, like, actually work work. Yeah. By the time I'm like, uh, I don't want to be on my feet for 10 hours. I mean, I never wanted to be on my feet for yeah. 10 hours, but at least, you know. Yeah. It used to be I could hold a boom and or fucking be running around as a PA for fucking 10 hours and it would suck. But it wasn't like, oh, my God, I'm like, I got home and I needed to pop a couple Advil because, like, my feet were killing me. And it was just like. My body's like, what, what are you doing, dude? You're you're not supposed to be upright that long. Why aren't you on the couch? You belong on the couch. Yeah. My body was like, why do you keep bending over to pick shit up that's that's fucking 30 pounds all day? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm supposed to, I think. I was like, no, you're not supposed to. Maybe 20 years ago, but not anymore. It reminds me. I'll get these like random like jolt of, of feeling through my neck where in my where I still have like a lack of feeling and uh, I'll, you know, I'd be doing something like, holy shit. And I'm like, felt like I got fucking electrocuted. Cause it's like my nerves, like kind of regenerating. And it's, that's, I think that's also age telling me like, dude, it's, it's time to slow down. You don't need to work like you're 20 anymore. You know? Oh yeah. Like, fuck. It was one of those things where like, as a teenager in my twenties, I'm like, why would anyone wish for death? And I'm like, I already feel this bad in my late thirties. I don't want to feel how bad I'm going to feel in my 60s or 70s if I make it that long. I totally feel why old people wish for death now. Yeah. <laughs> Trevor's like, oh, that got dark. Fuck. <laughs> death is the promised land for all of us. Sadly. Sadly. Yeah. But there's, I don't think there's any orgasms on the other side. So, like, I'm kind of bummed about it. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, now that we got... It, it was. You see this shit with Israel, the Israeli former uh, head of security, like, and and the Alien Galactic Federation. I was like, this is awesome. Twenty twenty kicks ass. Well, that's one of those things where, like, 
Well, it, according to this dude, we peacefully coexist with the aliens already. Totally makes sense why Trump wanted a space force. Totally. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't, I couldn't get down with that name. Space force. I'm like, this, it just sounded like a, like a fucking, like a parody to Star Trek. I'm like, space force. Like, what are you doing, dude? I don't know. Air force. force. We have an air force. So what do you want to call the? God. Yeah, but air force is different. It's like, it's here. Space force. Like, <laughs> What are we gonna? What are we gonna force? Like, we can't dance with the aliens. They'll fucking annihilate us in a heartbeat. Like, how about just like space program? We already have one of those. You know? Yeah, just extend it. You know? He well, wanted to rebrand. Why don't they? You know? How about Earth Defense Force? There we, oh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's um, like we have a Department of Defense. We don't have a Department of War, even though the Department of Defense. Definitely is an offensive department. Oh yeah, yeah. We're definitely an offense. We're an offensive team. We're 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 like about ninety five to five percent. We've had two major hits, and that's it. Uh, and, and I guess a civil war. And a civil war. Yeah. Well, I mean, we had a little. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, I mean, 9-11 and Pearl Harbor. That's it. I think is our well, only two like on U.S. soil. Yeah. Like, but we definitely yeah, had on US we've definitely had embassies bombed in other countries. Yeah, uh, aircraft carriers and whatnot. Yeah, aircraft carriers. You know, there's the whole fucking Iran, Iranian fucking embassy takeover in the seventies. Yeah, that's right. Was that uh, Argo? Yeah, that's what Argo was, was based off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which just was his own debacle. Where like, oh hey, we need to sell. How did the Iran Contra situation? It's like um, we smuggle guns one way, drugs one way, and money to the Iranians. Like yeah. it was all like, yeah. The CIA is just like, we got it, and we got it covered. We just gotta, we just gotta break all the laws and all the rules so we can get what we want to get, and then still put people in jail for what we're essentially doing. Yeah, because we're trying to, we're trying to track it. All of us, we're trying to track it. I'm like, no, you're trying to, you're trying to track it and hijack it and then take over. I'm like, why do you think, why do you think there's armed soldiers in poppy fields in Afghanistan? Like, what are they, what are they, what are they, you know, uh, guarding poppy fields? Why poppy fields? I don't know. What, what do you use poppy for? Bagels, obviously. Oh, just bagels. Yeah. And hot dogs. And hot dog buns. Traditional hot dog buns. hot dog buns. Yes. God. America. America. Uh, yeah. It, it's crazy, though. The House passed, you know, ending marijuana prohibition. God. Finally. But I my, think everyone's just like, let's fucking do this already. But also, my response to that was the House also passed the fucking Heroes Act, which has gone a whole lot of fucking nowhere. Yeah. Like the house passed stimulus back in fucking May. Mm. Yeah. 1200 bucks for the country versus every other, literally every other country that's still in some sort of shutdown is paying their people except for the United States. I don't know if you watch any Jimmy Dore stuff. He breaks it all down. He has a list of all the countries. All of them are paying their citizens that have been shut down except for the United States of America. 
It's it's crazy. I didn't mean to bring it back around to that. I just just thought it was funny because everyone was all like overjoyed about the house passing that shit. It's like, yeah, it's still probably gonna fucking go nowhere until sometime next year if it goes somewhere. Yeah. And you know they're gonna they just gotta find a way to tax it right so they can make theirs take their twenty five percent. That's what I think that's what it is. I don't know. I've never bought from a head head shop. Yeah, you're showing your age, fucking head shop. Yeah. But I mean, would you like a tobacco water pipe, sir? (laughs) Dude, some of these I go in and I'm like, that's not even for smoking weed. That's literally a fucking meth or crack pipe. I'm like, no one smokes weed out of that pipe. No one. (laughs) No one. Like people will smoke weed out of an apple before that fucking crack pipe. What the fuck are you doing? It's like, come on. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god but what california has a 30 percent tax on recreational i think so yeah i know it's fucking super high uh, one of my uh housemates i lived with he he was go and buy from um you know the, the the weed shop and then i was like how much is this shit and i'm like holy fuck i'm like I, when i smoked before i quit and everything i had a dealer that was selling his own buy or growing and selling his own shit in his house. He was like a private dealer. And I only bought from him because I didn't have to pay an extra fucking $25 for the, you know, to the government. I just buy off of him. Well, I mean, it's the same reason reason there's still bootleggers out there. Yeah. You know, bootleggers only exist to avoid taxes. Yeah. Especially when they're outrageous. 100%. And it's easier to cultivate marijuana than it is to distill alcohol. That's true. That's very true. It's a plant that has, that needs a lot of care. (laughs) I considered it and I considered it, but I don't smoke anymore. But I was like, I did this shit in high school. I'm like, I could probably brush up on it, but I'm like, it's too many people that are getting into it. And excuse me, learning about the whole, you know, cultivating and cropping. And I'm like, that's just, it's, it's already kind of like such a big trend that I'm like, it's not even, I'm not even going to bother. You know, there's going to be another trend eventually that's going to be big and good for people. And maybe it's just going to be coffee, you know? No, no, no. Come on. So we're getting ahead of the curve. Heroin's going to make a comeback. Dude, Oregon, look what Oregon did, man. And illegal or not, not legalizing, decriminalizing. I think that I, decriminalizing. There's a huge difference. People are saying they legalized heroin. I'm like, they decriminalized, you know, recreational whatever the fuck it's called. I was like, there's a big difference. Oh, but you know, you get hit with I think a fifty dollar fine. Yeah, for, for possession or whatever. It's like, I don't know, man. If I was a crackhead, I'm not gonna have fifty dollars to pay that fine. I would have bought more crack with it. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, I uh, did a tweet joke about it a few weeks ago. I said I'm going to move to Oregon and open up a a business of of funeral parlors and rehab centers, <laughs> so I can get them on both ends. You want to go to rehab? I got something for you. And then when you OD from all the fucking fentanyl that you're going to end up snorting or smoking, here you go. Here's a nice. You know, I've got a deal for you. 20% off any fentanyl deaths. I can say that because my brother died with fentanyl. I mean, you can say it anyways. <laughs> what are you going to call yeah, it? Trevor's true. Recycling Center? 
Oh, ooh, that's good. That's really good. I have it both. It's kind of like what the you know what the drug companies do. You know, they they find a cure for something or something to ha- not cure, but uh, whatever, a pill or liquid to make you feel better after you force it down you. What are you not taking the know, vaccine just, when it comes out? I don't know if I want to take the first round. I want to let some oh. people die first, and then Trevor, Trevor, Trevor. going to fix it. Trevor, you're not in the tax bracket for the first round. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, through, sorry, not the first round. Uh, <laughs> the first, the first, the volume, first volume one of the COVID vaccine. I don't want to take it. You're still not no, in the tax I'm bracket like, for I, volume one, sir. You're you're not in the right tax bracket. There'll there'll be like a, a there'll be like a um. Like a, a second version will be like, oh, well, that one had too many proteins or not enough proteins or enzymes, whatever the fuck's in there. We need to make a new one. So I'm going to let everyone kind of like get sick or die out. And then I'll, I'll look in, I'll consider it. Well, so. what's crazy to me about it is, I mean, it's not crazy, but it, what it's how bad it's going to fail on some levels. You know, it's a yeah. two, the, it's a two dose vaccine, right? Yep. Oh and yeah. The first dose is, shown as a known side effect to give mild COVID symptoms. Yeah. It's, and they're saying mild, but it could be worse for other people. So the people, right. But even people that like the mild ones don't sound fun. And I'm just going to be, I'm skeptical that people are going to show up for the second dose. Yeah, that's very true. Um, This is what I think. The first dose is a placebo that is actually, um, going to have a tracking device that's not technically a microchip, but it's going to track you from the inside as like it's going to track your body and DNA. And, and rather than like tracking you like your phone already does, we're all tracked already. Right. But it's going to be, it's going to track your insides. It's a different type of tracking. And then the second dose is actually going to be the vaccine itself. What do you think of that? That's a cool sci fi fucking series, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, the first time. Sign me, Hollywood. The first dose gives you that clock from uh, out of time on your arm so you can know how much yeah. time you got left. Yep. And then all of a sudden there's like these these things inside of you, this stuff, and it's reporting back to – it's kind of like inner space, which is going to age me and age people that get the reference. It's like inner space. So it's going to be like little – what the fuck's his name? Martin Short inside <laughs> of a little thing floating around, and it's going to be sending signals back to the – <laughs> so ridiculous this is what i think about well, sending signals back to like the the, the place to, to bill gates or whoever pfizer so they're going to have these little well, all these like super smart computers are going to be computing you from the inside and learning about your body and molecule structure and dna <laughs> and the second shot's going to come that's going to be the actual vaccine the problem is trevor there's people that actually believe that kind of shit like legit believe it. Like, <laughs> that is the most inefficient uh, way to do that ever. I know. It'd be it'd be funny though. Oh yeah. Someone like what if what if it was true and then like there's like just some scientist that is like behind is like how did this fucking reject know about this shit? God. Well, I'm like, just we gotta uh, try and kill him again. I, I'm just waiting for the when they send me the message of like how are you still alive? It's all that fucking uh, malorts that you drank in Chicago. I'm immune to anything now. I wish. Dude, I drank ha- I drank half a bottle of Malort's 
with my friend Jen at a bar in Bolingbrook like five or six years ago. Literally half a bottle. I'm not kidding. We were shooting Malort's all night and drinking. I was drinking Coors Light to wash it down. And I was like, I was like, it didn't phase me. She's like, let's just do Malort's all night. I'm like, okay. By the time we closed out, it's two in, two in the morning. Was uh, I forgot Clementines in Bolingbrook. Oh God, I've been there. Dive bar, yeah, right next to Tailgaters. And the bartender, this chick named Sunny, super fucking cool. She was like, "You guys drink half a bottle of Malort's." I'm like, I can tell. I saw my tab. <laughs> <laughs> like, holy shit! But in the reality of the situation, the they should have been paying you to take it off the shelf. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my lord! That's become a, that's become like the thing now. It's like you know, it's become that. Uh, it went from like a hipster drink to whatever the fuck it is now. Well, I don't. It, it's one of those things where I don't think anyone actually likes it. I think everyone does it to prove mm. how hard they are. Mm-hmm. It's Chicago. That's Chicago drinking. You know, can you drink this at four a.m. without doing any drugs? Yes. All right, you're in. Can you drink till five? No problem. Can you go to a key yep. club afterwards? Okay. Yep. <laughs> Is the sun coming up when you go home? Probably. Hollywood Grill it is. Yep, yep. Oh, fucking yeah. greasy-ass Hollywood Grill. Oh. Yeah. You know, obviously, wearing this shirt, I've spent many a night in Hollywood Grill. Yes, you have. <laughs> I've had... Uh, Last time I was there was uh, two years ago I, when I was with Sam and Eddie in Chicago for their show. They wanted to go to a dive bar, and, and Eddie Brav was a big rock and roll guy. So we we took an Uber to exit, and uh, this other guy Reed that was in the show, and they're like, they're like, what the fuck is this place? I'm like, this is a Chicago dive bar. Like this is rock and roll dive. They're like, where the fuck are we? They walked in, they had like the busted ass floor and shit. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were not expecting that. I was like, this is a real dive bar, you know? Oh, yeah. Not the cool, clean, trendy ones you see in Hollywood. I'm like, this is an actual dive bar. Yeah, this is an actual giant dive bar. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, giant dive bar. The amount of bacteria in those bathrooms, that's really what gives immortality. If that hasn't killed you, you'll live forever. Yeah. I agree with that, man. Fuck. I mean, I know people that have had sex in that bathroom and live to tell about it somehow. (laughs) I didn't realize how big that place was because I hadn't been there in so long. And I went when I went back, I was like, holy shit. And then anytime I'd been there in the past, I was tanked. It was, just, it was like that last bar to go to. And I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, I didn't realize it was this fucking big. Well, it, a lot of people forget that there's a second floor. Exactly. Yeah, that's where I was like, was I, was I ever up there? <laughs> like, what the fuck am I? Well, especially uh, after, I forgot what year it was. There used to be, it was a back stairwell that you took to get up to the second floor, and there was like a coat check before you went up to the second floor. And then sometime in like the mid-2000s, the back stairwell got condemned. There's a front stairwell you take now, and the back stairwell got like completely gutted, torn out, and it's like just a a metal outdoor stairwell to get up to the second floor on the outside that's not open to the public. Shit. Yeah, I remember like going to exit back in the day. It's like, you know, you would coat check on your way up to the second floor, and then there would be like, a little cubby with like a bucket of buckets of ice beer. Like, do you want a beer here? Or, you know, when you got into the fucking, there was a bar right there and then another bar. Yeah. Cause upstairs yeah, is where like the dance guy. floor was. Yeah. 
when I when I started at the lodge in Four Lakes, even before I, I worked there, but when I started there, it was like like the fucking place in all the western suburbs. Like it was fucking packed five packed five nights a week, like capacity. And they had they had a beer tub right when you walk in with like whatever special they had and Miller Lite, of course, and then like a bottle of Jaeger and a bottle of Bacardi O on ice. And then, you know, just cases of fucking monster for bombs. And there's another beer tub on the dance floor and then the big bar in the middle and then the, the back bar on the dance floor. So it was, you know, they're putting 500 people in there three to five nights a week. So that was, yeah, I was like, this is insane. What else are you going to do in fucking Chicago? Get fucking wrecked. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when it's shitty half the year, you know, weather wise, it's like it's cold, it's raining or snowing. Or all three. And you're like, mm, I'm not going to stay home. I've stayed home all week. I'm going to go get tanked at the lodge. Oh, I know. That's why I used to not go out on Friday and Saturday nights because, like, it was tourist season. Because all the, you yeah. know, all the motherfuckers that had, like, been in all week who had maybe stepped foot over a bar once in their life, it seemed like, would fucking be out on Friday and Saturday. It's just like, oh, I don't want to yeah. fucking deal with you, tourist. Like, I don't. We were, uh, we were a big, big Sunday fun day bar. And anytime Monday was a holiday, it was total fucking amateur night. Cause it was not it was college students. And then people that worked jobs where they're off on a Monday. So a lot of government workers, teachers, um, whatever, you know, anybody who had like whatever it's called now Columbus day off or whatever the fuck day it was. So our Sundays, which are already fucking super packed would be twice as packed, like line out the fucking door and just people that just don't know how to party and drink like the rest of the people there. So they're trying to keep up with them. And the, the, it was always, you knew who was a, was like a non Sunday fun day person because you could tell in the tip it'd be like, you know, 20 and it was half off. That was the thing. This place did half off all food and all drinks open to close. Jesus. The whole entire tab for everybody, not just industry or anything. All of a sudden, you're getting these fucking tabs for, you know, 25 bucks. It's supposed to be 50, and they're tipping like three bucks. And you're like, that person is not a true Sunday funny because they don't understand that it's really 50 bucks and they're actually still tipping like 10% on a half off. Right. So, and, you know, then you get, but it, it over, but it balanced out and you get the true Sunday funny and or industry people that tip 50% on the RD. So it all worked out. That's when you learn to drink Sunday fun day, especially like LA, which is like such a day drinking town. Someone's got real jobs. Yeah, for real. It's like everyone's got 15 side hustles or gigs going on. And, you know, it's like they don't have a steady. It's like there's there's all these. Uh, was it the was it the, the happy hours is a huge thing out there. I didn't realize it's like that's what drives the town. And the happy hour is always during the day. It's never like just at night. You get these restaurants with two for ones or half off margaritas. And I'm like, it's two in the afternoon. And I look over and there's just like tables of just people just chugging these margaritas. And I'm like, it's Tuesday or Wednesday. And I'm like, it's two o'clock and you're tanked. You know, and then they come out of the bathroom and they're no longer tanked. And I'm like, that's right. LA's a cocaine town as well. It ah, is. Now I get it. It is indeed. I forgot about that. Yeah. Austin is, man. I hear a lot of people referencing cocaine in this town. And I'm like, oh, 
I think it's everywhere, maybe. I don't know. But I was like, Jesus I've been led to believe that cocaine is a little popular. Just a, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. Chicago was weird. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't. It's like, if you did it, it wasn't in the open. But if you didn't do it, it was like, you didn't do it. That was it. There was, like, very little, like, you know, uh, middle ground for it. It was, if you did it, everyone knew. And if you didn't, everyone knew. You know, oh. L.A. was just kind of, like, just different. It was so different. Oh, yeah. It, was, it definitely is. It just, cocaine flies a lot more freely in L.A., I feel like. I definitely remember, speaking of Chicago and cocaine, just remind me of a story. It was a Cobra for uh, fucking Dusty Grooves. Like, I yeah. don't know if you ever made it to that night. Uh, Thursdays. I. Uh, Thursday nights in Chicago Cobra, they used to have Dusty Grooves night, which was all rockabilly doo-wop and soul all night. It was a uh, it was a great party because like girls used to fucking dress for it, like fucking dress the nines, and oh, it was such a fun night. But some girl like was I forgot her who I was talking to. It was like some girls just like hey hey come in the bathroom with me, and I'm like oh it's on, and then it was like oh no she wanted to do coke, and I'm like. Oh, I don't do coke. She's like, why'd you come in the bathroom with me? I'm like, oh, my bad. I misread this situation. Do, do, yeah, do, do, do. I thought you wanted to get fingered. It's like, oh. Fingered. Full on penetration, dog. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. The, uh, the, the the cocaine world in LA, I, I try to tell people it's cocaine. The openness of cocaine in LA is like how the openness was in LA like 10 years ago for weed. It's like, it's just there. Like everyone knows there's signs in bathrooms that say, please do not do cocaine in our, in our bathroom. Like it's, it's so prevalent. And I had this theory one night I was like, cocaine is like a, such a good, it's like a, a, a mirror, a mirror drug or image of Los Angeles because it's a fake high and you keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And you keep doing it. And then you think, you think, you think, it's going to happen and it doesn't <laughs> until you stop. And then that's when things are going to happen for you. I was like, because it's such a weird, I did it for only three years, but it's such a weird fucking like, just fucks you up mentally. Did you stop doing Coke before you stopped drinking? No, that's all at once. I did. I only did Coke for three years. When I got stabbed and got and decided to go sober, um, I quit everything. Weed too. Like I don't smoke weed or anything. I, I do fuck with CBD because it helps, especially my fucking um, my neck and my back and stuff. And it helps my things. I get random anxiety flare ups. Not nearly as much as I used to. And my anxiety was was work related. Um, just I'd be you know I'd be at Sycamore and I'd be doing sixteen different things and I'm just like I literally couldn't handle it, but I still was. In my head, I'm like, I can't handle this as I'm handling it. And I'm like, I, I, this is just too much for me. And I go in the back and I put my phone away and I'd sit in the office for 20 minutes, take my CBD and just like relax. I'm like, this is just way too much for one person. And a lot of people didn't see it. And a few people did. And people I, I saw it were like, holy shit. I don't was Oh, yeah. I know you saw it. I think, I think you had actually, the times you had, you know, done projects here, you're like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. And I'm just like. Like, so yeah but uh then all that shit happened last year and it was just like it's like just somehow got through all of it and just kept going we had, some good, we had yeah. some good shows at the dojo last year a couple of ones i worked on yeah 
that Garland event was so awesome, man. That that was fuck. That was that was such a big event. You know, and then he did the show, and it was like, fuck, this kid, this kid, like, you know, because I was in touch with Netflix, and I was like, fuck, this could be something cool. And then, because they bought, uh, they bought that theater on on Hollywood Boulevard, the Egyptian theater, I think. They bought um, the Egyptian. I think, I think so. Double check. I don't want to misquote or spread fake news, um, but I think they bought the Egyptian theater, Netflix. Or um, screening their 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 uh, their stuff, their their projects. Oh, I'm gonna Google this right now because I had not heard I that. Think it was the Egyptian. Maybe they were going to. I don't know, but I remember it was when that hit. Uh, my friend Aaron and I, she was, we were going back and forth. Like, uh, you were correct. Be. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know if it's gone through yet. I got to look at the date on this article, but. Latest, Netflix has finalized a deal to buy Hollywood's historic Egyptian theater for an undisclosed price, closing a transaction that had been in the works for more than a year. The acquisition represents a major milestone in Netflix efforts to become part of the Hollywood filmmaking community. It's in variety, so. Yeah. And uh, when I saw that, that, that's when I kind of was like, hey, uh, Netflix, so I got this club over here. If you want to buy it, I can get in touch with the owners as long as I get a finder's fee. Or hell, just a contract to operate. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather get be brought on as as a as an employee than than get like five grand. It's like taxed. It's like okay, now it's three grand. I'd rather stay on as a work. You know, it's, it's like when people sell off their business and stay on as a consultant, right? Like, you know, uh, that was brilliant. That would have been glorious. That would have been fucking glorious if yeah. Netflix had bought the dojo. Hey, maybe they did, and they just didn't tell me. <laughs> maybe like, they bought the property. They're like, fuck yeah. you, Trevor. Oh, you moved away, or you're gone, or you're out of town on vacation? Oh, sorry, we couldn't get a hold of you. Now it's ours, bitch. We didn't have to give you shit. No, no. I, I have a feeling Netflix would probably buy more of like a small theater space than they would at like a comedy club. Yeah, they wouldn't do that. They're, that property is for sale as a demo and, and as a... I forgot there's like a, te- a term for it in real estate, but um, they want to like a project or development. They want to, it's basically they're trying, they're, they're, uh, they're trying to get like a, a builder in there to build like a, like a apartment complex. Like what are they doing now? Like commercial residential. Yeah. Mixed, mixed use. So, mixed use. That's it. Mixed use. So yeah, I think I that's what they were in. I mean, that would, that's kind of a shit mixed use location just because, you have a strip yeah. mall on one side of it, and then you have studio space that is not open to the public on the other side of it. Across the street, the Days Inn, that property got sold last year. I didn't say anything because the, the Days Inn people tried to do a, a holiday party at the dojo last year. And I was like, I like cut them the best deal I could do with almost us making shit. And they're like, oh, sorry, we found something else. And I'm like, you're Days Inn. I'm like, well, this is our budget. And I'm like, your budget is like a fucking like... Like I've seen bigger budgets for a kid's birthday party. Like, come on, dude. Like, what are you gonna do it but in the they, In and Out parking lot next door? Yeah, really. Ed, they. Um, I don't know if it went through, but they, the the manager over there, came in and he said that it was a holiday party, kind of going away, going away party for the business because supposedly days in was the property was bought out. So, I don't know what's happened since with the COVID. So, well, then that's but, the crazy part. Like, 
there's so much mixed development use happening in LA and Hollywood right now. And it's sitting at 30, 40% occupancy before COVID. Because who the fuck can afford a $4,000 a month one bedroom? Yeah, no shit, man. I mean, you saw Sycamore's parking lot. That was enormous. Oh, yeah. Like, that's a big piece of property for, you know, for mortgage for the owners. And so they would they would rent out the parking lot to, you know, to studios or productions happening all around town. Or not around town, but, you know, in the area. And that's how they would, you know, kind of make ends meet or make the extra money they needed to do whatever they needed to do. And we had, when we had uh, across the street, there's those studios directly across the street on Sunset. Um, What's his name? Tarantino, when he was filming his project in Hollywood a couple of years ago. Yeah, what's that time? Yeah, they they rented out the parking lot for months, months, and he was over there. Like, and I was like, fuck oh, him. And I would go over there every once in a while and deliver like deliver pizza. Like, hey, I got some pizzas for you guys. Is Quentin here. <laughs> Here's some tickets. You want to come to a show? You know, like this. Oh, that would have been awesome. I know, man. It's cool. We had some pretty fucking cool people come in the dojo that were just random, like not invited, like or friends of somebody. But like, I think it was the creator of Friends was there, one of the, the executive producers and a couple of random people that was like, just out of nowhere. Like, what the fuck? Like, who does? And then I'm like, oh, it's Hollywood. Everybody knows everybody. Exactly. I mean, you know? that's the beautiful part about this town. Like when people back home are like, Dude, why are you still out there? I'm like, um, the opportunity here is second to none. Because you never yeah, know. It really is. You know, how many steps away you are removed from someone who may alter your life. That's true. Facts. Yeah. Like, Facts. <laughs> yeah. That shit does not happen for most people in Chicago. Mm, yeah, it doesn't. That doesn't happen to a lot of people in L.A. either. There's not a lot of comedians that move to LA and then all of a sudden kind of have their own room pseudo club. Right. But you know, and I, but the, yeah. cause you have more hustle than most of them. That's the Chicago but, in me. Right. You know? But most those opportunities wouldn't be here, be there for you to take advantage of almost anywhere, but here. Yeah, it's true. You're, you're absolutely right. I've been, and, and a lot of people that, that don't know the history of the, my history or whatever, before the dojo is, and LA is, I ran a huge bar outside Chicago for years, and I ran events for that bar, big scale events, bands, live entertainment, everything. I was the go-to guy. I was the, you know, the events coordinator, if you want to say. Plus, I managed the bar as well, kind of like the dojo in Sycamore. And then I did all this other shit, you know, of course, like all the standard things, jumping as an employee or to, you know, I bartend a lot and run food, whatever I needed to do. But I just did that. And then I worked for my sister's company for years and I dealt with professional fighters in the UFC. You know, we helped bring women's uh, mixed martial arts to, to where it is now um, by just being a, a presence, you know, and supporting women's MMA before it was like, you know, professional, like actual professional UFC. So there's, I was working like, big scale event in Chicago, LA, but I had a huge event in Vegas set that ran great. And I was, I've been doing it for a long time. So I, so it's like the people that know me from Chicago, like Chicago land for back in the day, they see that they've seen the progression. And then there's people out here that I just meet and they just obviously know the dojo. Cause you know, the cool thing is the dojo is known out here. Dojo comedy, people know of it. It's, it's like, they've heard of it. They know of it. They've heard about it on podcasts 
and it's it's kind of got like a cool cross and like it's crossed over here because you know it was it was like the, the you know you know it's the workout venue for LA so so um, speaking of which you know, how did the dojo Austin come about I I know already but the audience should hear oh, about yeah. this <laughs> uh, well I was I was in a random bar about uh, four or five weeks ago four weeks or whatever the Green Jay. And I met uh, a friend that I was referred to by a friend. <laughs> I went up to meet up, uh, went to meet up with Bobby at this at this uh, metal bar. I walked in before I even fucking. I literally, I'm not even through the door. I see the stage with uh, a drum kit and lights, and it's just this narrow stage. It kind of gave me a a feel of Chicago, like an old Chicago bar. And I was like, and I just stopped. I'm like, this is so cool. I want to do comedy here right away. And I've been in a few bars and clubs before that. And I walked in, I sat down with them and I'm just sitting around looking and I'm like, this place is fucking cool. There's something about this. I, there was a vibe that just started to set in like a really calm, but good vibe. I'm like, I like this. I like this. And then uh, we hung out all night. There it was super cool. Then we went back a few weeks later. We met up, or no, we we went there and we went to say hi to the bartender because uh, it was it's always dead on Sunday nights. So we went to say hi to the bartender that that Bobby knows, and uh, it was the owner that was there. And uh, I was like, this guy doesn't seem like a bartender. I was like, I've been in this industry long enough. I'm like, this guy seems like the owner. And I was there's just something about him. <laughs> he just gives off that presence. Yeah. And we just started shooting the shit. One thing led to another. And he was like, and I had already emailed him a couple of times and he pulled up his e the email and he was like, Oh, you, you know, you emailed me right before the Chappelle show or the Chappelle uh, comedy show at Stubbs. He's like, so it, obviously I go, dude, trust me. I get it. He's like, it fell through the cracks. And he emailed me back right away. sent me his number. We started talking business. I sent him kind of like a really basic proposal pitch. He loved it. We talked again. Um, just set up all the stuff. I just do what I do. And I was actually, I went in there last night to see the bartender. Uh, and I stopped in to say hi to him and hang out. I was getting tamales. I was like, I'm going to bring him tamales. You know, he's probably bored and lonely. So I'll hang out with him, you know, buy some pop, you know, tip him, you know, try to try to you know, put a little fucking money in the register. And the owner was there. The dude had to step out for, for a while. Owner was there. We shot the shit, booked the date and got my lineup set this morning. Got the, you know, ghetto ass flyers <laughs> done today. <laughs> nice, nice. And it, it's it, every the thing is, I tell people, I told them last night, I go, everything I have is ready to go. I just need the green light. And he was just like, how much turnaround do you need? I go, whatever. He goes, how's next Thursday? I'm like, done. He goes, are you sure? I go, yeah. I go, I have everything I need to do. This is all I'm doing right now. I'm not working a steady job. This is it. And he goes, okay, 17. I was like, cool. And today, had the event bright, had this, the lineup set, talked to a couple comics, booked my comics, um, and then just got it floating on social media. Hell yeah. Can you so, tell us who's on the bill? Yes, yes. Um, it's all online, so you can see it. But as of now, it's Isabel Herman, who you know. Uh, she's She moved out here in the summer. Yeah, she's I know. The one that really put the, yeah, she's the one that really put the seed in my, you know, in my ear to, to move here. Uh, Isabel Herman, Chuck Ludwig, who was a comic I met at the Dojo Sycamore. He used to do TK Madison shows before I took over and, and you know, uh, branded at the Dojo. Um, what is her name? 
These are some new people, so give me one sec. Uh, there's a comic I met out here named uh, Mary Helen. God, hold on. Let me pull up her name. I don't want to mispronounce it. She's fucking funny as hell, and she's raw. Where's her name? Uh, Mary Helen McCarty. So it's Isabel Herman, Chuck Ludwig, Mary Helen McCarty, myself. Um, as of now, I've got Bobby actually hosting the show and emceeing it. because Because... Nice. Um, I told him I, he's he did he told me he did stuff in in New Orleans so he he's got the stage presence and he's just he's got a personality for it uh, and then I've got some comics I met here um, Helen's one of them Mary Helen and then I've got Connor King Sunshine Sonny Carlin and I don't know how to pronounce this guy's last name oh James Garraby so those <laughs> are some local comics nice uh, and then I might add, I'm gonna add some more I think a couple more. Uh, local comics that I've met that are that need the stage time, newer comics because I that's what the dojo is. It's not just like the spotlight for the biggest comics in the world. It's a spotlight for or the low the, the dim spotlight for people to work out. That's what I want to do. Is it's it's a it's a pro show with that you can just get better at. So that's I want to keep the philosophy, you know. Um, and the venue is beautiful. It's it's all remodeled. New sound. Apparently, this place was known for having terrible sound back in the day. It was like a hard metal bar. They revamped the sound, everything, the lights. I've got a sound tech coming in and everything that the owner's going to have there. So um, it's cool. And it's 20 feet from Stubbs. Nice. And it's, it's, um, it's related to Stubbs. So it's, it's a big step in the right direction. I'll just say that without, I don't know if I'm what I'm allowed to say and not say about the venue, but it's, it's in the family of stubs. So that's a fucking huge thing, which I didn't know until I sat there the second time and mixed it up with the owner. And I was like, Oh, so is, uh, I've been emailing you. (laughs) So is any of Chappelle's crowd gonna hopefully trickle, trickle your way? I would love, I would love to have somebody, you know, he's got amazing, you know, openers. He's got Donald Rawlings and uh, what's her name? Michelle Wolf opening for him. And of course, him and Rogan are doing five, at least five nights together. So Jesus, um, it'd be cool. Yeah, it'd be cool to have him come in and work out because the, the, the owner is just a really cool guy. Very fucking nice. Um, and he's like, you have the room the whole night if you want to go. Because I'm just like 90 minute show. He goes, I can stay up until 2 a.m. I was like, oh. I was like, well, a six-hour cost you know, really isn't, you know, when you got a bunch of, you know, co- like pro, non-pro comics there. I was like, yeah, it's not like riff, but after a while. It's not like you have Eddie Griffith doing uh, fucking four hours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if I get someone at that caliber that can do that kind of uh, work on stage and keep the audience, fucking yes. Like, you know, come in at the end of the night and fucking crush, do whatever riff, you know, bring your people like do something. But as, as long as I get the comics I booked, uh, their stage time, that's the most important thing for me. I mean, after you, that is like, you, you can, know, you can start booking it like the OR and just fucking 16, 15 minute sets. Yeah. Yeah. I've got it broken down pretty well where the, the, the act, I call them the booked comics, the core people have like plenty of room to stretch your legs and have a good time and then the the comics that met out here the uh newer or whatever comics i'm giving them five to seven because 
you know, I don't want to give them, I'm telling them, give me a solid five, but I think I'm going to open it up to seven because I can. And because I want them to, to stretch their legs. I don't want them to just go up there and get five and leave. It's, it's not, it's not, it's not the comedy store main room on a Tuesday where you have the best comedians in the world there for 10 bucks. You know, this is. Well, know, and it's also about building community too. You don't want people to just do their time and bounce. Right. I want to. No, I want to build, I want to essentially do the same thing I did in LA, but here and, you know, just build a community and a, and a family of, of comics. And, and just, I think I did a, a decent job in LA and I want to do it here. So well, I think you, you will. Know, so. And it's unlike LA, you won't have people bouncing to do like their next mic across town because there aren't yeah. that many mics to go do. Yeah. And since it's downtown, it's like, if there, if there was another show or something to do, they could do both but i'm trying to keep this right now just book shows i'm going to work on the mics later i have ideas for for stuff for other types of shows but right now i just want to <clears throat> i want to do book shows because there's a lot of mics in town and the mics are solid like everyone's it's a cool community and you see a lot of the same people uh so it's a tight community it's small and i just but i just kind of want to implement what i've done here and i, I try to tell people i go i as you know, you know, as much or more than most people, I run a very kind of like open, like an openness. Like I want people to come hang out and enjoy it. Like I was able to do that at Sycamore cause I was the manager and there's plenty of space to do it too. Yeah. Like they could come hang out and not even go to the show or maybe pop in and check it out and then come back down. So oh yeah, there are plenty of nights where I popped in, like maybe went upstairs for like one person I know set and then went right back downstairs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, that was, I knew the day I got it, like, I knew this was like a gift from God. And I was like, this is just amazing. And I, I, I remember I sat there. I was like, I don't know. I don't, I'm like, I know I can do this. I'm like, I just, I need some help. Like, this is a big fucking deal. And I, I, I didn't hesitate, but I was like, at first I'm like, I can do this alone. I, cause I'd been running shows there on my own already, like once or twice a month, I was doing my own shows. And I was like, I got to find a way to make this work for me. And then I bounced around with ideas and then I fucking called, I called or texted Sam and he went crazy. So, you know, it worked out crazy in a good way. I am excited for Dojo Austin, you know, post COVID, I will definitely come down there, tear some shit up down there. Fuck yeah, man. (laughs) It's been a while since I've been to Austin, like fucking it's, it's gotta be like five or six years since I've been down to Austin. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. I had yeah, bare minimum. Oh, Bobby, a fucking visit. You know, he's been to LA a couple times recently. So, yeah, that's really the same. We're we're talking war stories about when he was out there, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm like I've heard of all these places, but I never I never got to go to him because it was just like I was like I guess I got worn out in bars. I'm like I just can't go to a bar right now after work. Uh, yeah, no, I totally- often. And now I'm like I don't want to be in a bar. <laughs> Well, especially as a sober guy, I totally get that. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go hang out in. Uh... Yeah, it sounds fucking yeah. miserable. It's been a pleasure. Like, we're going to call last call on this motherfucker because I got places to be. You got places to be. So tell everyone where they can get those dojo tickets. If Absolutely. they're down in Austin. Uh, if you're in or around the Austin area, you can find uh, me on all social media at Trevor Cavallo, as well as at the dojo of comedy. And now uh, I just launched it recently at the dojo of comedy ATX, which is 
right there. <laughs> so look us up on uh, Twitter and Instagram at the Dojo of Comedy ATX. Uh, the Eventbrite link is in that, uh, in those profiles, as well as my personal, Trevor at Trevor Kevolo, um on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All Eventbrite links are in there for tickets if you want to come to a show. Uh, 10 bucks, 15 at the door. And it's a good lineup, and the show's solid, and it's going to get better. I have a good feeling that the show could be really fucking cool. So. Oh, I'm, I'm sure of yeah. it. Be sure to tell Isabel Hay for me. I haven't talked to her in a hot minute. I will. Absolutely. Hell yeah. But in the meantime, as always, you can find me at Matt underscore Slayer on Twitter, Matt Slayer on Instagram, Matt F and Slayer on Facebook. You can find the podcast at, and now we drink on Twitter and now we drink underscore on Instagram. And until next week, drink up motherfuckers. (laughs) 